started, I guess. Uh, so, hey everyone, this is Jonathan. I'm here with Rich, and uh, this is the Grow Podcast. We are just here to have fun and share our musings. And I'm here with Rich, who's one of my dearest friends in the world. And over the last 10, 15 years, he and I have just always had these amazing conversations and we decided let's just record them and put them out as a podcast so um rich welcome glad to have you here brother why don't you introduce yourself hey, yeah uh, every- <laughs> hey everybody uh my name is rich goulet um i've been in uh, california most of my life uh, married for over 27 years to my wife lisa we've got three great kids together uh and two dogs and uh, we've just been going through life watching um uh, you know, our own relationships, you know, ebb and flow and, and our kids grow. And so it's been exciting to be part of that. I had mostly a um, Catholic upbringing and that pivoted to um, more of a Protestant and then evangelical delineation um, where I really got fired up for for God and doing some great things with some great mentors. And over the course of time, you know, um, also working at, in the tech world, um, you know, obviously got a chance to hook up with Jonathan where we got to share ideas conflicting thoughts and um, kind of just trying to figure out the best way to make the world work and how do we make sense of it? How do we look at a variety of topics? Um, we definitely mostly agree on a lot of things, but we also kind of, I would say, uh, you know, sharpen each other on, on other aspects as well. So, you know, um, just enjoying life and trying to, you know, make the most of it. That's awesome, brother. Um, so I'm Jonathan Brink and uh, give you a little background of myself. I am a family man, that's kind of how I would first characterize myself. I love my family. I have six kids, a blended family. So I'm technically a Brady Bunch. And um, I live in Northern California and I am in user experience for a software company. So, which is ironic because most of my life has been about kind of discovering what does it mean to be human? And that's really what has always attracted me to Rich is we like discussing ideas of what it means to be human growing. We talk a lot about theology, science, business. We've had these amazing conversations around capitalism, communism, what kind of world we want to live in, what do we want to do for our kids, what is the meaning of God, all these great conversations. And I thought, what if we just put all these down into a podcast? Because I think they're interesting. And it's probably just going to be the two of us. But who knows, somebody else may find this valuable. So we just wanted to put it out there. Um, So the format that we created was actually pretty simple, that we wanted to just discuss topics that we thought were valuable. And so we each came with a question that we wanted to start with. And I thought, Rich, why don't you kick things off with yours? Because yours is a fantastic question. I absolutely love your question this time because it's very deep. We're starting and kicking it into high gear today. Why don't you start off with your question and then we'll go from there. Yeah, well, thanks, Jonathan. And, you know, we could have started with, you know, is drinking pH, alcohol, and high water good for you? Better, better than it is. Not. Um, it is. And, yeah. Is ice, are ice baths really, really good for you? Um, maybe we can talk about more um, pragmatic things down the road. What's but, the best Cabernet in the world? Yeah. You know, we can talk about great things. <laughs> exactly. I, I think that the thing about this point that resonated with me is, and it's exactly what Morpheus tells Neo in the matrix. And he talks about this thing that's bothering him. That's in his mind's eye. It's a splinter. And I think that the more we look at the world, uh, especially in a postmodern framework where 
we're kind of under the purview that we know God lives out there. He's objective, but we just can't see that. The world we live in is so subjective and so dichotomous that you'd have to, um, you have to ask yourself what's really going on. And so when you look at the buildup of COVID and the idea of global warming and the idea of Ukraine and, you know, you've got the great reset with World Economic Forum and Davos. There just seems to be a lot of these great narratives that are coming to, to, to fruition that we don't seem to necessarily be a part of. What I'm saying is that if you look at going back to the matrix, which I think is the best kind of fundamental understanding of are we actually in the simulation is you've got people on one side of the equation that know what's going on. These people live in the real world. And hopefully everybody who is watching this um, understands or listening to this understands the nature of the matrix. Maybe we'll have to flesh that out. Jonathan, you let me know. Um, let's just assume. Uh, on the other side of the equation are people that live in the matrix, which is a computer programmed idea that was created by AI and machines to help them grow humans, which are all attached to these battery types of, of objects and actually power the AI machine itself, including a whole bunch of robots that kind of keep order in the world. So um, what I'm getting by that, by if you look at today's day and age, you can actually look at the world we live in and you can say January 6th on one side of the equation was an absolute uh, disgrace. It actually was, uh, according to some people, worse than 9-11. It, it was it, the, one of the greatest tragedies, the greatest violations of our democracy in our history of our nation of for 250 years. On the other side of the equation, you got a lot of people who say, uh, bullshit. Um, yeah, there was some bad shit that happened. It was bad news. There was definitely some doors being busted out. But look at all the footage of this QAnon shaman being walked around the actual Capitol building just actually minding his own business. And there's actually even a footage now of him saying, hey, just heard from Trump, do not do anything violent, right? So now you can say there's a pick, cherry picking here and there, but if you go to Twitter, you literally see that there's two kinds of worldviews and a bunch of stuff in between. The other thing I wanted to mention, and maybe this is just worth reading is there's, there, there seems to be a sense of, of, of a movement to transhumanism and, and a nihilistic worldview where we're actually looking at being less human and being more binary. And this is a huge thing in terms of the transgenderism movement, if you ask me, because people are now using their mind to determine the nature of who they are, as opposed to their physical bodies, right? There's something going on in, in certain uh, um, categories of, of, of folks. And some people call it body dysmorphia. There's a lot of other things going on, but what I'm getting at is there, there's a lot of movement it seems to me towards VR and AI. And, and if you think about you know, augmented reality, there, there's a push to having a, an environment that is not real. So I sent you a, a link to an article where you see a guy online and he's absolutely depressed. All he sees, I mean, he's, he's living with his parents, he's depressed, he wants to kill himself. And all he sees when he goes online especially with TikTok, is beautiful men, beautiful women, everybody's perfect, and he knows that that's not right. So there, there you go, right? You actually almost have uh, you know, an evidence of this long thread where you can actually see there's something wrong with the world. There's a groaning if you want to go to Romans, right? If you go to the Bible, all of creation is groaning. And I feel like we're, we're reaching a tipping point where something's got to break through. 
and I don't know what that is, but that's um, that's my idea so far of, of, of fleshing this idea out. But the thesis you have is that we are in a simulation. Yes. Yeah. That, and, that is, or, or you said in your notes, we, yeah, you said in your notes that it comes from a, from a Twitter post. What was, tell me the story of that. Yeah. So you've got this guy um, who basically makes the premise that everything on the modern internet is effectively fake. And he got this because he was looking at a guy that he saw, I think on a mm -hmm. sub stack or something like that. You know, he, he's a college dropout, slave tier at a job warehouse, 7,000 saved, zero talents, qualifications. This guy has basically lived his life as a nobody. And he's looking at the summation of his life and it's worthless. So nihilism is, is where you go down this path if we, if we continue on this, right? So this guy talks about, you know, all you see are extremes. Women are attractive. Dana Life, you know, shows a 24 graduate who lives a life that only can be described in modern fairy tale. Everything that they're being exposed to on this thread talks about, I mean, their dichotomies, like everybody else has it and you don't. But the, the, the end of the story is, is that um, there needs to be an awakening to show him okay. that things are better, right? And so what, what I'm trying to get at, and maybe I didn't, you know, I mean, there, there's a lot to digest and there's a lot to even mm -hmm. kind of postulate. But the real question is, how can we prove that we're not in a simulation, you know, for instance, right? Um, and, you know, because we don't really know what happens when we die fully yet. Um, and we don't really know, like, when we do things, you know, the nihilist says that they're, it's all meaningless, right? So it, mm -hmm. it'd be like if you're in a simulation and you're hooked to a battery, if you're in the matrix, you realize that you've got this idea of how life is supposed to be. You go through it. And then I guess when the, when the machines are done with you, you just perish, right? I think that there's a lot of people out there who believe that that's the kind of environment we live in, that everything external we're seeing is a, is a creation of what things should look like. And whether it's China creating, you know, algorithms mm -hmm. and TikTok that serve up to you or something else is going on, it appears that there's this dichotomy that, that existed in the matrix that is real today. Have you heard about the kid at uh, Harvard who killed himself for nihilism? as an outcome i said did i send you that text as well is that the one you sent that's me the one. did you oh, send yeah. me that yeah, oh, yeah i did yeah, well, the twitter the one is a little bit different because it's talking about the concept of a simulation but what's your concern let's just let's go down a rabbit hole what is your concern if we live in a simulation what's the fear of that like what's the if possibility because you and i have talked about this before yeah i believe we are in a simulation you do, but we choose Truly. it. Yeah, we choose it. Yes, Bang. I. We choose to live this life before we lived this life. That's my gut instinct because that makes the most sense of how if we. It takes away the question of theodicy, which is ultimately God. Why do you allow me to suffer? That I think is the question every human being wrestles with, mm -hmm. and so. But if we choose this life then it potentially has more meaning. And then the purpose of life is to discover that meaning or purpose. Because I think a lot of people are now realizing you do have a purpose. You just have to find it. And nihilism takes the other approach. And that's what the kid at Harvard did is he basically said, oh, if I really do believe in nihilism, that there is nothing, death is actually the most liberating action I can take. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you and I are actually there. We, I like my life. I 
want to create meaning out of my life. So what, what is the tension? Because when you shared that with me, you, you were in kind of a moment of tension and a half a bottle of wine, I think. And you were honest. It's like, hey, sometimes it feels like the world is going to shit. If it's a simulation, does it matter? Well, um, so <laughs> I, I think that, that this is where we have to look at something core in our in our soul, in our in our yeah. heart, what guides us, right? So for yeah. Neo, there is something going on that said, no, this isn't right. And there's something wrong with this, right? right. Cypher was more than willing to go back in outside from being in the real world, understanding mm -hmm. what the consequences were and wanted to go back in, be digitally set up again to betray mm -hmm. his own people. I think in, in our heart of hearts- That's naivete, to go back to naivete. It is, it's to go back yeah. to- um, In other words, is naivete not knowing you're in a simulation better or would you rather know you're in a simulation? I would rather know I'm in a simulation because Why? there's always a striving. If, 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 it's the easy way out is to be in the simulation. It's the path of least resistance. Now, maybe that's also nihilistic, right? Because again, it's the most liberating, at least according to that. I mean, the question really is, is like if you had a terrible life and you were in a coma and you were in an accident, okay. so you're beaten as a kid, starve your whole life, okay. drugs, violence, and then you get hit and then you're in a coma, but you've got this peaceful dream for the rest of your life until they unplug you. Is, is, that, is that good? And the question really comes down to is, well, what does it matter if it's if it's individual, right? And I think ontologically, if we look at it from a 30,000 foot or what God would really want, I don't think God would really want that um, if there was an option. But what do you to, want? What do you want? I, I want... Like, what does knowing it's a simulation give you? Well, knowing it's a simulation gives me the ability to see how it could be... Different? Well, different can you change the simulation? Well, that's that's the question, right? I mean, the, I mean, Morpheus has this um, prophecy. He's got the, the machine. The oracle gave him some insights that said things are going to be okay. That there is going going to be a way. And Neo goes through five or six iterations of complete destruction and recycling all over again to end up at the one place again where he finally okay. sees something different, right? This is kind of maybe what we all hope for. All of us who've gone through life in terms of struggle or addiction or relationships always tries to figure a way, how did I screw up here and what can I do to get to that next level to get better? In your case, where it's the God imagination, we somehow have this revealing that we've always been in the circle and God has always loved us. We've actually pushed ourselves away, right? When Jesus died on the cross, as you say, that was not God's wrath served up against humanity and our Jesus. It's what we needed in order to feel good about where our own consciousness was, right? Mm -hmm. the, the Jesus's death on the cross, in your view, of course, was that um, it, it was for our own purposes, not just in terms of a substitute or a, or a, a wrath or a punishment for the sin that we've done, but rather to, to say, this is going to make us feel better. We need a scapegoat. We need a, well, we need a victim, right? And the question what's and the, the answer, yeah. What's the tension of living with a simulation? Like, because your your conversation that we had earlier about the simulation, well, I mean, we've had probably a hundred conversations around simulation, but I think it's a great topic to open up and start with because it's sort of the general tension with life. 
are we actually in control of this life? Because the stimulation discusses the concept of fate. Am I in control or not? Mm -hmm. And where would, where do you think you land? You're in control or you're not in control? Um, I would say that if I were to lean towards one side of it or not, I would mm -hmm. say I'm less in control than I wanted to be, right? When I look at my, my life and I look at the things that I've, you know, try to accomplish vis-a-vis -vis the light of what success looks like, right? When you look at a mm -hmm. materialistic financial, you know, other kinds of scenarios, you say, mm -hmm. I think I could have done better, right? And so there's a little bit of regret there, but you all, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to learn the idea that you only live in the present moment, that the regret mm -hmm. doesn't do you any good. Regret, you know, regret in getting a tattoo and, and stopping the next tattoo is probably a different kind of regret. And there's a guy named Marshall Goldsmith, who's one of the greatest executive coaches, who talks about like keeping regret in the rear of your mirror that can it can cause pain and suffering and fomentation right mm -hmm. it can cause despair that's what this kid has this kid has regret right he has regret he's completely bought off on the idea that his life is worthless right he's got a shotgun this is the one that not your well the guy that i'm talking about online right now who you know is a college dropout or whatever makes you know weak money lives with his parents he is in the same mental state as the guy who from Harvard, the brilliant guy who already killed himself, mm -hmm. right, many years ago. So I think what I'm trying to get at is um, how do I get to myself in the headspace that literally, I mean, people talk about faking it till you make it. How do you get yourself into a headspace where you can actually manifest the idea that you are going to be fine and that that almost faking it turns into something when you align your thoughts, like our, our friend, this, the book we're reading, when, when you kind of align your heart and your mind to that same place, maybe that's what it takes to break through, mm -hmm. right? See, so. I, you and I have talked about this a long time. I have come to the conclusion and I think I've landed. I don't think I've, and a lot of this. So one quick thought, you had mentioned uh, the God Imagination. So for those who are listening, it's a book I wrote about uh, 13 years ago now called Discovering the God Imagination. And I'm not going to go down that tangent right now. But that's I just wanted to make sure listeners knew what that was. Um, but it's a very specific way of thinking that I've come to the conclusion that we aren't in control, that everything is fate. Everything is pre-scripted because we chose it that way. Or it's the thrill, like Alan Watts talked about, of the unknown dream. Like you want to have it so that it's thrilling. And I think that's a central part of being life is the discovery of what you don't know. We don't know anything that's going to happen in the future, but we always experience it in the now. And so when it happens, it's are we prepared to deal with it? And I think at the end of the day, what I've come to terms with is the only thing that matters in the present right now that really, really matters, like if we get what we want or don't, at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. What's really matters is my judgment of myself in that moment. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that we truly can control. We can control our thoughts, especially about people first to myself and then to all those people that I interact with and that life is ultimately most valuable when we find the capacity that even if it is a simulation to say I'm still worth it I'm still good I still have value 
and I can still contribute to the world. Because if we don't believe that one thing, I don't think we can do anything effectively. Everything revolves around our dignity and our self-perception. And that we can't, that's the one thing that scripture kind of talks about in the Garden of Eden, where we do actually have a choice. Everything else, they just show up to. Mm-hmm. But if we judge ourselves as good or evil in the moment at any time, because that can waver, that can change, that can, and that's why when, if we're sitting in the idea of we're in a simulation, it's like, well, I got fucked. Like, like when I lost my job at Charles Schwab, I got wrongfully terminated, but that's life. How are you going to handle it? Mm-hmm. And that's the hard part about the concept of a simulation is sometimes it's a roller coaster that sucks. Mm-hmm. And how do we learn as human beings to deal with it? So it sounds to me that according to you, that mm-hmm. it doesn't matter for a simulation or not. No. Because technically, I mean, you believe that we are actually already in our own simulation. Now, what's I interesting is, is that that version of the simulation isn't necessarily hooked up to a machine and turning us into batteries. That's a different kind no, of simulation, no, right? We've, no. we've created our own simulation, yes. our own idea, and it's a perception that we're inherently broken or, or wrong and we're not really fully loved by God, at least a lot of us. And once we break like I, through that and realize yeah. that. Yeah, I don't care. See. But sorry, go ahead, finish. No, no, no that's it. I, I was just trying to. I don't care if the garden eating is true. I, I care if the narrative of you are here for freedom and joy and to discover, like, if you really listen to what, like, I, I don't know if Genesis, the creation story in Genesis is true or real, but I know it communicates deeply insightful things. Mm-hmm. And it's true. And it's, things, it's true in that regard that it, that what, what it's trying to express is real. Yes, We're yes. not asking for scientific kind of, you right. know, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. I've way, right. I'm way past that. I don't need that anymore. I don't yes. need it to be real. I just need it to be true. Because exactly. in true, it tells me you are worth it and you have freedom, but you're going to encounter life. Like, I think the tree of knowledge is the here and now, every single moment of our life. That's what I think. That's what I discovered is it's a simulation but in every single moment, you only have really one question that, ma- that makes sense is, are you good or are you evil? That's the only thing that you have control over. And life is going to throw you through the blender. You know, going back to when I lost my job at Charles Schwab, I was, my world was wrecked because of my expectation. Oh, I had this new path. I'd only been there two months. It was a freaking phenomenal job. And then boom, the rug got pulled out from under me. But you didn't think and you were evil in that fall, in that in that in that no, termination. But I wondered because the natural inclinations of negative events is God. Where the fuck are you? Mm, of course, are, this are is you the oldest still, joke. That's the, the that's the theodicy question. Yep. And so and and guess what? That always happens in the here and now. It doesn't happen in the future. It doesn't happen in the past. It happens in the here and now. When that I remember being on the train when I got the call and saying you're being released from your contract. They no longer want you to work. You're done. Don't come to work tomorrow. And I was like, oh, life just threw me a fastball. 
And I remember we were going to a Luke Bryan concert at Shoreline and I show up and I'm with some friends. My sister happened to be there. And I was like, holy shit. And in previous lives, I would have been like, oh my God, the world's burning. You don't love me. God doesn't love me. But in that moment, because I wasn't 12, I was 53 at the time, I think, or 51. Um, you know, I wasn't starting from scratch. At that moment, I was able to say, okay, God, you threw me in the blender, but maybe there's something to learn here. And that's how we transpose what we think is evil into good, is we take it, we wrestle with it, we sit with it, we breathe with it, we let it run through our body, like, holy shit. And then we realize, oh my God, the universe actually knows what it's doing in my life in the simulation, because guess what? I always come out. If I stick with this idea that I am still valuable in that moment, this energy is created inside of me that says you can make it through it. Yeah. And that to me is what makes life worth living. And I, I honestly, I don't ever want to go through that experience again. I don't seek those experiences out. Mm. I don't seek negative experiences out. What I'm actually learning now through a lot of people in my life, especially on Instagram that I'm learning about, is the idea of creating controlled negative experiences. Like the new big thing is ice baths. Exactly. I'm intrigued by it, but you're putting your body in a state of, of holy shit, this is really, I haven't done it yet. I want to do it because I'm training my body to handle stress in a controlled environment so that when I'm in a stress moment, like getting fired, I um, can handle it. Yeah. And that's how we do that's meditation what I'm too, right? Yeah. Totally. Um, plug for both Pete's Coffee for Ethiopian Supernatural, <laughs> which comes out uh, two months before it did today, and then for Ice Pod. Ice Pod, I just bought an Ice Pod. You um, did? Yeah. So it, it's Sweet. so you can spend a lot of money on these baths. Yeah. You can, spend, you can use a lot of ice, and this is very cheap. It was 150 bucks, and it's insulated. Have you done it yet? Uh, it's going to be arriving in the next couple of weeks, and I've had Why some did terrible you do inflammation. That? I did it mostly because I was tired of the inflammation that I've had in my elbows, um, some kind of pre-arthritis. I don't know what it is, but no matter what I do, I can't get away from it. And so this is a tangent we'll just say for now. Um, no, I think this is actually places. a really good tangent. Finish this because I have my side of that. Go ahead. Well, no, the side of this is when you decide to go and take the red pill, you're choosing the ice bath. You're choosing mm -hmm. the glop. Yeah. You're choosing okay. real pain and death and you're choosing yes. a, um, kind of an unknown. And it's because there's something in you that says this will be better. Now, again, ice bath is just a microcosm of, of, of this and it's probably okay. very um, inconsequential in terms of greater like salvation of humanity. That's what Neo is okay. trying to do. But I think like if we think about atomic habits, it's one of those things, right? So we look at things like meditation, which can at first be really challenging, right? Oh my God, I'm, I've been doing this for 20, 15 minutes and I, I can't focus mm -hmm. on my breath, right? And then you realize those mm -hmm. last five, you, you break through. Mm -hmm. Ice bath the same way. And in fact, you, you, you learn not only to spend two or three or four minutes there, but it gets easier every time. And then the benefits are supposed to be incredible, right? Um, flexibility, brown fat that helps you with your mitochondria, um, mood, mm -hmm. dopamine, et cetera. So yep. 
Um, it's not just a fad. I think it really has done some amazing things. So I think that choosing the red pill and going down those things that 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 that, that stress us, train us, and prepare us for what the world gives us is our, in our own way, our ability to be the best version of ourselves in that space, regardless of whether we're in a simulation or not. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Like we can't determine, I can't determine if I'm actually in a simulation. Although I think people who have taken like DMT and ayahuasca would absolutely say, yes, we're in simulation because you realize you can step out of it. Right. But normal 99.999% of life, you don't get it. You don't get evidence whether or not it's really, you have to make a decision. Um, and what I'm learning back to my point about what you, the, my side is I'm, I just finished a 60 day intermittent fasting and I'm going to keep nice. going. Good. And I lost 30 pounds. 60 days. And did you do the, the, the eight hours where you go from 12 to I, eight, no, I, um, eight? I did 12 to six. Uh, we six would usually have dinner down. around six. Yeah. It was typically six to seven hours. So I would not eat. So my regimen was simple. I, uh, would wake up, I would have a glass of water, uh, cause water doesn't break the fast and, Correct. um, and you need to replenish your water supply. That's the thing is I realized, prick, I am so dehydrated. I am so dehydrated. So I would start with a glass of water. That's become a practice. Uh, I cut out coffee. I was doing tea for a while, but I realized I'm, tea gets boring to me. I need, I love coffee. Uh, but water actually was more fulfilling. Then I would wait until noon. At noon, I would have a protein shake. And I think that's the thing that contributed most to, to my fat loss is my body was getting the nutrient. I love carbs. I'm a terrible eater. I love to cook. And so I'm always indulging. And by, But what I did is intermittent fasting put my body into a stress state during those 18 hours. So my protein shake would never fill me up. And it was a big one. Um, it was muscle milk protein powder, banana, and sugar-free chocolate. And that would carry me. But what happened is, is that um, I would get to dinner. And in the first week, I was fairly, um, I was okay, but I was like, yeah, this is tough. And then I would have my dinner and I am a massive snacker. Like Mm. I love going to my pantry at eight o'clock at night and having two chips and three chocolate covered raisins and a piece of salami. I graze really tiny pieces, but it adds up almost to a full meal. And I cut all that out. And then I would go to bed and all of a sudden after about 14 days, I started sleeping a lot better. And I mm. lost 10 pounds in the first three days because it was all wow. inflammation. That's well, it's all inflammation. Inflammation comes from too much sugars in your system. That's just mm. the reality. And I had been inflaming my body for 25 years. Well, and, on my side, and, and, it could be alcohol too, because I don't eat a lot totally. of sweets. I don't, um, I mean, I'll have some dark chocolate, right? But, yeah, but um, Cabernet yeah. is just straight sugar, bro. It's like, and and that's what I did. I also cut out alcohol a lot. I still eat alcohol on Saturday nights because I enjoy yep. it with my friends. I didn't yep. want to go militant. I wanted to do this in a healthy way. And the most important thing I think I did is I began that intermittent fast by saying, I'm worth it. Mm. And believe it or not, I never really struggled. And I wonder why in post response, is that what gave me the true energy? I started with this idea that I am 55 years old and I've never done anything like this. 
And I like the idea of fasting is not my lifestyle. I, but you know what I can honestly say after 60 days, all of a sudden I started fasting and which is a stress on the body. That's what it is. Yeah. I lost 30 pounds now this morning or yesterday morning. I weighed myself. I was 222 and I Amazing. started at 255 and I'm like, Maybe there is something to this idea of stressing your body as a productive process. Yes. And I think getting back to the simulation, it's like, if we are, can we still make the simulation work for us? Because that was Alan Watts' idea of, you know, God is having a dream. And in the dream, it's always going to be a little bit of a close shave. You know, like, oh, I got through that one. But that's what makes life thrilling. That's what makes, like, now, Charles Schwab let me go. And two months later, I ended up finding the best job I've ever had. So things, we never know in the moment what we is really going to happen in the future. But in that moment, if I'm beating the shit out of myself, and I'm like, you suck because you it was all your fault, and we run to guilt and shame, I'm realizing that doesn't work that doesn't work mm. it's finding the grace in the moment to say no one i'm good i'm worth it even if this is in a simulation how do i make the most of it it begins with dignity it begins with going back to the tree of knowledge and saying no life is shitty but it is still worth it because i'm worth it and in that moment, I can make meaning out of virtually any negative event because the only thing that really matters is my dignity and how I self-perceive myself. Can I love myself in that moment? And when I can love myself in any moment, I can get through absolutely anything. When I lose sight of my dignity, that's when everything goes haywire. I love that example. And what you actually do is you, um, you firm up this point with, uh, I mentioned atomic habits earlier. One of the things that um, when you're trying to do is create a new habit or break an old one is there's three methodologies to it, right? There's outcomes, there's process, and there's being. And the reason why so many people fail is they focus only on the outcomes. They focus mm -hmm. on losing a, a, a pound or two, or mm -hmm. they, they do a process, but they don't think about where they're going to be. So in terms of where um, Mr. Clear comes from in this book, he says, I, I am a non-smoker. If you're trying to quit, you ontologically call yourself a non-smoker. You don't talk about, I'm trying to not to smoke anymore. In your mm -hmm. case, you all, you, you valued your being, I'm worth this. Mm -hmm. That is what anchored you to help you get through all of the discomfort of the, of the stomach, you know, the lack of yeah. energy, all these types of things. Mm -hmm. And you looked at the ontological, the being, I mean, we all know that metaphysics being right. ontology is, is the highest level, right? Mm -hmm. You know, before Abraham was, I am right. Jesus says that in, in you know, in John eight fifty eight, he's going back to what Yahweh said to, to Moses, who should I say, you know, sent me, I am mm -hmm. that I am, mm -hmm. I am, I, I, I am the essence, right? And so when you can anchor to that true nature, you're going to be able to overcome any kind of, and, and you could call it spin or you, you don't call it spin, but like dignity, you can mm -hmm. take dignity too. Right. So I think it's brilliant. You, you did that. I don't know if you read atomic habits, but you did it. Oh, I um, love that book. 
Of course. Okay, good. So yeah, you're, you're right there. And that's why you were successful. But you also did something crazier. Um, most people start that are beginners with intermittent fasting, go maybe 12 hours on, 12 hours off, or they'll do the 12 to eight, which is eight hours of eating and a 16 hour window of not eating. You went advanced. You went six hours, six hour window. <laughs> and then within that six hour window, it's not like, hey, let's gorge on, on In-N-Out Burger, pizza, right. whatever. It's like, no, start off with that shake. And I think- So well, here's the balance. Yeah. You know, here's the balance of that though, is that was why the protein shake was really a good transition for me because I've never done protein shakes in my life. Okay. Okay. But it yeah. created this good middle balance between giving my body these really good proteins. And uh, as long as I didn't cheat in the window, the 18 hour window, I could pretty, and I had that shake for lunch, I could pretty much enjoy some light snacking in the middle of the afternoon and then anything I wanted for dinner for dinner I yeah, could have I carbs. I, like I wasn't really technically doing keto in that I was because I cut out a lot of carbs but I was eating normal healthy meals and if I wanted to have potatoes if I wanted to have potato chips or heavy beans or anything that's high carb it didn't matter no of course as not. long as because my body was saying you're not overloading me it was always about balance. It wasn't about stopping consumption because I've done keto. Keto's hard. It's terrible. When you really remove carbs so much, you lose the value. I love food. Like that's the thing is my life opens up more and more every day as I begin staying on this course. I'm realizing, damn, I love food, but I don't need food to go. Like I would have, the thing that I would do is, uh, that's another thing is I literally cut my calorie intake in half by doing this. That was the most, probably the most important thing. Calorie deprivation. Absolutely. Yes. But I didn't cut out the things that were meaningful from a flavor standpoint. Like I, I, I started getting on Instagram and we were uh, learning how to cook meals and I was cooking all these incredible dishes and they were indulgent, but I wasn't having two or three servings. Mm. Like I, I, I realized, and, and that kind of dovetails, this is a total tangent, but I, I'm going to bring it back around this last year. So this is for the listeners. This last eight years, I was in survival mode and last year was about me coming out of that survival mode. And what I realized is, is that I stuffed my face. Like every time I would eat, I would eat till I was full, like full. And I was getting way too many calories. And I realized I was doing that because I was depressed. I had been living in this survival mode and, and eating was a way of making me feel good. Mm-hmm. So I was destroying the thing that I love because food is so damn good, but mm-hmm. I don't need three servings of it. And mm-hmm. I'm not fat by any means. I'm six foot three and I can carry weight damn, now I feel so much better being 30 yeah. pounds lighter. Yeah. And so it, it ultimately comes down to, I think this is a stimulation or a simulation, but it's, so then what? How do we live in this simulation? And it goes back to, because I love the matrix conversation, because I think that's ultimately what, you know, was it Jesus who said, uh, it was, it was Jesus who Paul said, be in the world, but not of the world. Yeah, Paul, the matrix Cor- is the world. Corinthians, yeah. Colossians. Yeah, it's it's Paul. It's Apostle Paul. It it's, yep, the Colossians. It's we are living in the matrix, which is the world, but don't live in the world because the world checks out. 
That's the only way to really deal with the suffering of life is just to check out. You get numb, you close down your heart. I don't want to do that. I like life. I want life to be vibrant. I want life to be exciting. I want to be, I want life to be thrilling. But I realize the thing that does the best at helping me get through that is to hold on to this idea that I am worth it. Mm -hmm. And the more that I do that, living in the simulation doesn't hurt as much. 100%. Yeah. I think that's it, dude. I think that was the first episode. Yeah. That was freaking phenomenal. I liked how this went a lot. Yeah. I really do. So um any final closing thoughts no um you know uh, i think it was a good first start you know we're gonna continue to work through this i think we'll have some i i I love the idea at the heart of it um as we we want to summarize believe in your own dignity if you're gonna if you're gonna make it through this world you have to start with your own relationship to god the universe and the dignity that you have you cannot, we, I mean, you can't love others until you love yourself, right? That's a pretty, com- that's yes. a pretty common phrase, right? How, how else to do that? And then to, again, a, a byproduct of that is to put yourself in the situations where you can challenge yourself so that you can be prepared for the things that come at you to keep that dignity intact. The world or whatever is maybe the enemy is trying to deplete us of our dignity. This poor guy online, both the guy who killed himself and the guy who's living Mm -hmm. with his parents, the dignity is gone. The hope is gone. That needs to be reinvigorated. And and if we come together and we start having these conversations with ourselves, with community, with a greater group of people, and we have a consciousness that understands this, that's when we're going to be able to change the world. And we need it. We need it badly right now. And I think that goes back to your first point about simulation is sometimes the world just looks like it's going to hell in a handbasket and it's hard. It's because there's a lot of evidence that the simulation still sucks. And when we swim against that stream, it's a better way of living because it's easy to get sucked into um, depression. And I don't want that. How do, how do we look at Silicon Valley Bank's collapse, right? And oh, my God. That, what, another conversation. Another Total distraction. Oh, my God. We, maybe we should save that for next one. <laughs> we will. The, the downfall of capitalism. So, um, yeah. so, brother, it was awesome. This was perfect. Uh, yeah. To the listeners out there, thank you for joining us. This has been a wonderful first experience because I really feel like you guys got a flavor of the best of us. So much love to everyone out there. Uh, Thank you for listening to The Grow Podcast. We love you, and we'll see you soon.